0: You're listening to the Colorado Springs Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by RICO, your local guide for all things real estate investing in Colorado.
1: Happy New Year, everyone. Chris Lopez here, and we have the December monthly market updates for Denver Springs and Pueblo. So, we'll be talking kind of basically year over year since we're starting a new year. So, this podcast, we have stats, we have about four or five deals to talk about. And as a pop quiz, one market went up over the year, one market was negative. Stay tuned to find <laughs> out which was what to pique the interest. So, as usual, I got two of my co hosts here, Preston Newberry and Jenny Bayless with Envision Advisors. Welcome back, guys. Happy New Year.
2: Happy New Year, Chris. Thanks for having us back
1: you, hey, Chris. Yeah. Preston's up here, really focused on Denver. Journey's down with Springs and Pueblo, as many of you know. And our new guest for this series is Bill Rodriguez with Cornerstone Lending. A lot of you have probably known him from some previous podcasts or have probably done a deal with him. He does a lot of our lending down in Southern Colorado and is doing more with our team and our group. Bill, happy new year and happy to have you on the podcast. Happy to be here, man. All right. So as we know, before we go into here, we are in the process of kicking off two very big uh, events coming up this year, and they're around house hacking. We have a house hacking webinar series coming up, six webinars starting, I think, mid-February. We'll go through uh, core stuff for house hacking, update information. And then end of March, we have a summit coming up uh, for house hacking to come talk about it in person, have be more experiential. Come do networking. Come do workshops. Come network. And so, there's details about very soon. But as a heads up, those are coming out. All right, guys. So we'll jump into the stats for this first part of uh, this podcast. Jenny, what's going on down south?
0: All right. So I guess I'll be the spoiler now. Uh, Colorado Springs was the, the one that ended the year over year at a negative. So that was kind of surprising to see. I wasn't expecting it to happen uh, this soon. I was kind of thinking it was going to start maybe next month, um, you know, into the spring, early summer for the year over year being negative. But we ended December at 2% from median sales price. so that was kind of kind of interesting to see. Um, and then just in terms of you know other other stats, I think the best way to kind of to kind of summarize it is just you know I, it looks like the market is a, a little bit of a, a slowdown, a pause. new listings were significantly down, sales were down, active inventory was down. so it's just everyone was just kind of pressing pause um, on, on transactions uh, in December is, is my opinion on that.
1: So the negative two percent definitely surprised me. Yep. Um Do you know the 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 average price point for Pablo on how that performed year over year?
0: I don't. Their stats are a little uh, uh, lagging. Um, you know, in terms of that. So hopefully we'll we'll get a a year roundup on, on them maybe for next month.
1: Okay. Because I'm curious because I, I I was surprised by the the negative two percent, but as you said, all the other indicators kind of supported that story of uh, just. Mm-hmm what the market ever hitting pause, right? Say, I'm out for a little bit.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, and I yeah. think that kind of comes with the the lag that we typically see with the Colorado Springs and the Southern Colorado market from what we see in Denver, right? We kind of hit our pause, you know, five, six months ago, Springs was still moving along, you know, obviously things had slowed down, but they didn't get the abrupt, you know, kind of slap your face kind of thing that we had here in Denver. And I think that that finally kind of trickled down, down to the Springs. Yeah.
3: Yep.
1: So, I mean, to jump forward, Denver was up, what, 2% year-over-year, Preston? 2% year-over-year, yep. So going back with the analogy, you said, obviously, you know, Springs and Pueblo and most markets are in Colorado, Wags, Den- Denver. Um, Denver's up. Springs is down.
2: And, uh. and listings are up. Inventory's up. I think, you know... Hopefully, we're through the worst of it. I think we're going to have a couple more months here. Things still being kind of slow, but as we roll into spring, um, you know, I think we'll kind of start uh, start picking back up again. And I think we're, you know, really
1: optimistic about that. Okay. So, in terms of like trends for real estate, uh, Denver's up 2%. Um, overall, kind of going from a high level, homes were a little bit closer to 0%. Condos over the year were up about 6%. I found that interesting. I think a lot of that has to do with price points, right? Mm-hmm.
2: I, I think, you know, as interest rates got higher and people's borrowing and, and buying ability got impacted by what they were able to afford, that's why we kind of started to see <clears throat> the change in more condo sales and their prices going up a little bit because we didn't have the the activity that we did, you know, in some of the single family stuffs at those price points.
1: So a couple other stats here, and we're going to uh, share a lot more detailed stats in the show notes. So we're not going to, you know, put you guys to sleep with stats. Check the show notes, email us for all the the details, but one thing on the prices I want to talk about here in Denver is that CoreLogic found Denver prices went up about 45% from January 2020 to May 2022. So kind of that, you know, the peak COVID stuff. Prices peaked middle of 2022. Denver prices have dropped 5% then. Net, we are still about 40% just before COVID. That was <clears throat> just, that That's made crazy. my jaw drop. Yeah.
2: I mean, right. there, there's a lot to talk about there and kind of unpack. We don't have to necessarily go into all of it, but I think that there's a lot of uh, a lot of wealth and equity that's been built through that period of time,
1: and I think the the kind of like taking more to tactical standpoint is it kind of shows that the uh, the appreciation party is over. Uh, you know yep. a lot of people say, i'm holding on the pro- I'm holding on this property or these properties because I'm going to capture appreciation. Great. I get it. Appreciation party is over up and down the front range. Mm-hmm. I mean, prices. I don't think will drop off a cliff. They'll probably be slightly negative, like spring, slightly up, like ours this year. I think kind of
2: be, you know, flat, a little bit up, a little bit down. Yeah. I think it's just going kind to of, kind of, you know, status quo for a little while.
1: And so you're saying a lot of the the indicators for Denver. I mean, a lot of the current stuff supports that very, you know, flat price increase year year. Just days of markets increased, all that stuff but you're seeing some very recent indicators you're seeing overall at activities picking up right now in Denver? Yeah, for sure.
2: I think, you know, going back to, you know, that time period of COVID, we now have 85% of the mortgages in place are under 5%. So I think that, you know, all these people that have held onto their properties, now now is going to be the sticking time of trying to get them motivated to to sell that. And that's what we're seeing right now is, you know, obviously inventory is coming up, but it's not coming up at, you know, levels that
1: we would expect. Well, that's the thing. Like, inventory is still incredibly, incredibly low. Like-
2: Um, I mean, we total active listings as of 1 1 was 4750. Our last normal time in 2019, we still had over 5,000 active listings on the market. So, yeah, we've seen a 220% increase uh, since December of 21 to December of 22 in listings, but
1: it's still not enough. (laughs) Yeah. And also, we were just so constrained in inventory and listings a year ago that that's why we see those crazy numbers. All right. So check out the uh, website for a lot more detailed stats, but that's the high level. I mean, at this point, price kind of sets the trends in my perspective. Absolutely. But this is local. We got Bill with Cornerstone here. Bill the lender with Cornerstone. And obviously, rates are national. Yeah. Bill, I see you brought your crystal ball. You got some data, some predictions for us. Yeah. Tell us what's going on in the mortgage world and some national trends.
3: Well, I mean... I. You know, it's it's really interesting because Fannie and Freddie, they came out with their forecast and they were they missed the mark entirely. I mean, they basically said in October of last year that rates were going to be at four and a half by December 2022. Obviously, we missed the boat on that one. Yeah, Yeah, we did. Um, But, you know, now I mean, I. If you look at where we are in the market and you sort of tra- track you know, a 40-year history of the bond market and you look at where we're positioned coming into, I'll put air quotes up, uh, recession because we haven't announced it yet, yep. um, we're right where we should be. And when I say that, typically when you announce a recession, rates start to fall. In lockstep with that. And the Fed's monetary policy has really been trying to pump the brakes on the economy to get things in line so that things can come down. And we just haven't seen the job numbers cooperate with that. But CPI, core price inflation, is going to come out this week. Year over year should be lower. So we're expecting to see rates start to trend January, February downward. Do
1: you think that soon they'll start turning
3: downward? I mean, so at the end of the year, so when you start tracking the 10-year treasury and interest rates, typically they're anywhere from 185 basis points to 200 basis points spread apart. And at the end of the year, fourth quarter, we got up to 300 basis points. And then November, December, we started to see about a 200 basis point Mm -hmm. improvement. We lost a little bit of that in the last weeks of December, mostly because traders go on vacation, market gets a little bit more volatile, right? (laughs) And so we lost a little bit of, of that, but we got some of it back this week. And I think that's in preparation for these lower CPI numbers year over year. So- we start to see these signals. We start to get a little bit of relief. I mean, any relief would make a big difference. Anything would help, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know, so uh, I think the, the new numbers in terms of the talking heads, I'm going to be in a forum this week with uh, the mortgage bankers association next week um, with uh, the chief economist from Freddie Mac getting their insight. So hopefully maybe next Month will have a better indication better on where things are going, um but um they've backed off a little bit to say the mid fours now saying the fives, but again, anything helps and, yep, and I think right now you, you, if you're talking about you know the activity that's going on, a lot of people in the conversations that we're having is helping clients manage their payment in the interim. It's very rare in you know market cycles like these where you can actually predict where rates are going to go and we know at some point they're going to come down i yeah. love it you're making a prediction we know at some point <laughs> we just don't know down. when we don't know when <laughs> yep <laughs> but but so we can proactively have conversations yeah what does that mean for buyers right now well i mean and i think you guys are probably seeing it too on the street it's like you know um a lot of times um we're looking at uh temporary buy downs. We're looking at permanent buy downs and we're having these different types of conversations about helping, uh, our clients manage their payment in the interim. You know, they have a window where if they can stomach the payment and it, and the numbers work and they're still working, then, um, you're going to better your situation in the future. So, you know, whether that's having the seller pay points and fees on the buyer's behalf to have it make sense or having them take a little bit higher rate, knowing that in the future, they're going to refinance and better their strategic position in that property. That's kind of where we're laying it out there.
2: And are you seeing that a lot of buyers are kind of okay with this and understanding this or is it taking a lot of education on your side from the lender you know to kind of help we're dusting
3: some of these i mean buy downs we haven't talked about buy downs in i don't know eight years (laughs) nine years so you know because rates have been so low artificially for so long so you know it's bringing people uh, particularly dusting arms off i mean let's talk about the millennial and gen y as you say arm and they're like you know (laughs) they freeze up and it's it. So you have to educate them, I think, to yeah. understand what that means and that there's a fixed rate period. Uh, and then you're spending a little time helping them understand and, uh, the listing agent saying, Hey, our buyer's qualified and we want to make this house a little bit more affordable. And
2: I think it's brought back the team aspect of getting a real estate deal done again, right? Because Absolutely. You have to get the seller to cooperate. You have to get the buyers educated and understand what they're doing and the lender's got to be involved.
3: Yep, and and then the listing agent just throwing to sell their their seller on the whole thing to put it all together. Absolutely, in a nice neat bow, right, and get to the closing table.
1: I got a question for you, Bill. I know uh, recently Cornerstone uh, bought a bank, converted Mm -hmm. to bank. I'm not sure the correct terminology, but now now you're a bank, Colorado
3: Capital. Yeah.
1: Um, Do you guys have? Do you offer arms now? Is that part of like the lending?
3: We do. We just we just we just launched another. portfolio um, arm we this it's interesting we didn't actually re- realize how much demand there was for arms and we did an offering that we thought was going to last based upon what we had done in our Seattle region um, we offered uh, 80 million in in arms and it was in 18 hours we were up to 120 million booked.
1: So wait with that when you say eighty million offer that means hey loan officers you get in to this region go throw go, it go out fund the loans go go
3: find people where and it was overfunded
1: in eighteen hours
3: eighteen hours
1: for that's what crazy wow what kind, of, what kind of arm was it can you tell us a
2: little five, bit five six it? okay
3: five six arm yeah we had a five six and arm. this was and it last was it was in the mid fives that's what made it super hot yep and at the time they rolled it out it was I think it was early November late maybe it was late october
1: it's so like what a two point spread for
3: investors oh my yeah well there, that was only owner occupied that was, that was okay yeah, that, yeah yeah so but and that was even what was crazier so that was people who were either under contract or they had a new build closing in proximity right and gone
1: wow that's impressive yeah so the way the cornerstone bank looks at it says hey we got this allotment Let's well, go so, fund it and then figure yeah, out another offering or, or portfolio position. So
3: portfolio in a bank, it means that, you know, banks have to bring in deposits in order to lend money. Mm. So we can lend a certain percentage of what we have on deposit. Because we're a virtual bank and our rates of return are higher, we're actually bringing in deposits. Um, I don't know if it's still at this number, but about 40 million a week from other banks who are placing their money with us because our rates of return are higher. So as soon as we stack up some more cash, then we roll out another. Mm,
1: Okay. That That makes sense. That took a few dots for me. Thank you.
3: Yeah.
1: So I want to kind of shift over to a handful of deals because we covered some trends. Uh, Again, if you want more details in the show notes or reach out to us? We got a bunch of details on stats, but you guys got the important stuff. We got a handful of deals here that we're going to walk through a very high level to show that what type of deals are making sense and that deals are still happening in the marketplace. In no particular order, I know you and I uh, caught up yesterday, Bill, you and Jenny, or maybe you and Leah. Yes, yeah, me. And uh, right. Okay, so you you closed the loan, Leah closed a property. It was a house hack in Woodland Park, which mm-hmm. is you know outside of Colorado Springs. Give us the rough numbers on there of the of the property and just the the house hacker situation, because that, that was a house hacker, right?
3: Yeah, he was uh four bedrooms and he was at uh, six and five eights, 2866 was the principal and interest tax insurance. And he is living there for $366 a month on the rent by room strategy.
1: All right, so even at kind of like probably the upper end of being at the top of the mortgage rates mm-hmm. is what we think. Right. Six and five eights, Bought a house back. This was December.
3: Uh, he closed October thirty first, and or first okay. of November, somewhere in there.
1: So early November he closed, bought the property. Number still makes sense. He's living for three three hundred change a month. Yeah. Okay. And is his intent then to refi at some point, or do you know? Or just well, we depends? just had his.
3: We just had his consultation actually yesterday or Sunday, um, and we talked about. With his situation, he needs to um, file returns. So, we're sort of reviewing that with him and making sure that uh, uh, we're creating some more cash flow around the businesses that he has.
1: And just to intervene, so he, he's self-employed. Mm-hmm. So, let's talk about this because this was a, a very great point for self-employed people. Keep in mind, as mm-hmm. tax season is unfortunately here. Um <laughs> Talk about, because self-employment and loans is kind of like oil and water many times. Can be. Don't, I mean, don't I, always mix well together. Your, but
3: your CPA is there to help you take advantage of the code. And, and we're trying to squeeze every cent out of a paycheck or your yep. P&L and balance sheet. So it, by nature, the two financial service professionals are kind of in opposition. But we... You know, work with folks on the front end, particularly right around now, to be proactive and find out what it is that they're trying to accomplish this year, yeah. and then like you know, work with their financial professionals to say, okay, based here's upon, what we're trying to achieve over here. Can you help us make yeah, that happen? How, right? <laughs> you know, and or, can we? Uh, you know, some of this, are we able to push it off, or what? What are the tax? Because we're not experts in that area, but we work with them to understand what we can do and what makes sense, and they are. You know, showing the adequate amount of income that they need without paying too much in taxes. That's more, that's the balance we're trying to strike.
1: Yeah, and and that's something I think it's very important to highlight since many of our listeners and investors are self-employed. Yep. You know, as investors or a lot of real estate agents are in the same boat as well. Mm -hmm. Um, This time to talk to you or their lender they work with to figure things out, whether you're buying quarter one or quarter four this year. Your tax returns are gonna impact you anytime Absolutely. in 2023 mm-hmm. and probably 2024 as well. Because yep. as Bill said on the tax side, hey, write off as much as possible, save taxes, you know. But the flip side there is you want a loan, they say, Oh, well, you reported X amount of dollars on your on your tax returns. You don't qualify for a loan. And so there's that that balance, or you know,
3: your lifestyle to says play. 150K, but your tax return says 20. So, <laughs> <laughs> so but, there's something in the middle here. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: right. <laughs> so keep that in mind when we're not there because if you are self-employed, yeah. meaning a non-W-2, or you might be making a W-2 to self-employed transition this year, talk with Bill, talk with lend your lender, talk to your CPA because you want to have that conversation now before we file the taxes. Mm-hmm. I do it every year. And the first couple of years, I I did not execute well, and it bit me in the ass. And now I've learned, hey, I'm not going to do that anymore. Let me talk with my team, my lender, my CPA to figure out how do I want to pull these pull and push these levers. Yeah, yep. Absolutely. So obviously do that. Um, we'll make sure Bill's contact details are in there because self employment is kind of one of the niches you've carved out.
3: Yeah, for lack yeah. Of better words. Yeah, yeah. And we, you know, we'll do it. With under two years, yeah. one of the only- Well,
1: you have some creative stuff too, yeah. or creative... I mean, you've got some ways to really help. Like I've seen from a lot of lenders I've talked with, you have a lot more products and experience with self-employed people than the average lender out there.
3: Yeah, for sure.
1: Is that a fair way to say it?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: All right, so house hacking still works. A few weeks ago, we also did a house hacking webinar with uh, Jeff White and Ben Einspar, more Denver-focused. Mm-hmm. Same thing, numbers are working. Um, so don't get too scared of that if you're house hacking. Now, we know a lot of our investors are not house hacking. Uh and Jenny, you had mentioned right before this podcast, I think you said your words were two minutes before I got this podcast, Leah got something under contact and under contract in Pueblo. What was that?
0: Yeah, so she got a burr deal under contract. So I th- I kind of think that this year is, you know, kind of year of the burr, year of Pueblo. Um, I think it has a lot going for it. Of course, <clears throat> I think that. The environment is making Burr a little bit more difficult back from, I guess, maybe when I had it easier when I was doing the Burr strategy, because you have this, I mean, volatile interest rates. You have absolutely no idea really what your takeout finance is is going to be, um, you know, so that's, that's one thing to be, you know, weary of and, and mindful of. Um, and I think also kind of, um, appraisal values since, you know, we're seeing kind of the prices fluctuate too. We don't know what your, you know, ARV is going to come out at. You might think it's X, but it might be Y, um, you know, 180 days from now. So just, you know, kind of keep that in mind as you're underwriting your properties, but yeah, she got, um, a, a, a her client, a mid-100s. And she believes that the ARV is going to be in the low threes, um, high twos, you know, on the the safe end of things. Um, And it's zoned and it has some outbuildings that will uh, allow for uh, a duplex situation. So I'm... Really excited to see how this one plays out. I think it's gonna be a home run um you know, assuming that they're able to manage their costs uh pretty well so
1: and it sounds like this property has a couple factors like hey, there's the bird potential, but there's some upside or value add based on the uh, other structures on there for making a d or duplex
0: right exactly so like got here. went yeah, she went into it thinking, um like that they would change the main building into a duplex um, because it it would be appropriate for that. But um, I also told her to explore changing the outbuilding into the second unit, um, you know, depending on the utility situation, just because it was there and that might be able to kind of raise the return, uh, all around on that. So I- I'm very curious to see how, what the clients end up doing. Um, they have different options, um, different exit strategies too. So that's important. Um, if everything kind of goes South on that, which I don't think it will, but you know, it's just important to bake that in.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's yep. one of the, um, I mean, the opportunity shifts to for, you know, burrs are more high potential here in Colorado, but the takeout mm-hmm. financing, like that's been like the wild card. That's the for me. wild card. Yep. But we got Bill's Crystal Ball here, along with another Crystal Balls. <laughs> hey, rates drop. I mean, if you get, if you're up for some interest rate risk, I mean, that could like time some things really, really well. That could make for a really nice property. Do you know, Jenny? Are they doing the takedown financing, hard money, HELOC, cash, some other? Yeah, instructor?
0: So I was furiously texting Leah prior to, <laughs> to going live. Um, they're doing a construction loan. Oh, cool. With a community bank. Yeah. So.
2: So will they lock the rate for their takeout financing with the construction? I don't
0: know. I need to ask her what they're doing. I think they're going to try to go conventional, but uh, there's probably some things with the house that it won't appraise for um, at this point. So I think they might have to go the conventional loan, but I don't, I don't know how they're going to, how they're going to do their takeout financing on that.
1: But Preston, what are the construction rate interest rates right now? I know you. You play in that space?
2: Uh, I haven't looked since the first of the year, uh, but it's still going to be somewhere around seven and a half ish.
1: Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you guys do construction loans, Bill? Yeah,
3: we do. Yeah. We're rolling out our construction product, huh?
1: Okay, yeah. yeah.
3: And we're going to have a one-time and um, two-time close. Okay, yeah.
1: So <clears throat> construction loan do you, is that? Do you guys also do like like bridge financing or kind of like hard money esque financing for these types of deals? Or we do bridge. Okay, we
3: don't do the hard money. But yeah, we'll we'll do bridge financing. We're rolling out a HELOC, we're rolling out all those products.
1: Cool. And that can also probably be more seamless to wrap and take out financing, more permanent stuff. Mm-hmm. All
3: right. Package it all up into one little thing. Yeah, no, I'm really
1: curious now. <laughs> I mean, since you guys converted been, to the bank, like yeah. I haven't I know the details. I'm really curious to hear about Yeah, they roll the out it takes it takes a
3: while. We bought a really small bank in rural Texas. So and you know, we're a $19, $20 billion dollar mortgage bank. So it's taken some time to get their systems able to handle the volume that yeah. we're bringing, but we're getting there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> good, good growing pains to yeah, have. Sounds like, <laughs> Yeah. All right. So, moving on to some other deals here. Preston, you mentioned earlier a very unique and high end house hack here in Denver Metro. Yeah. Uh, that one, we own our contract. What's the <sighs> one of our agents uh, worked with one of our
2: clients to get under contract on like over a million and a half dollar new build uh with a separate ADU in the backyard in Denver, which one I was really surprised to see somebody actually was able to get one completed and built in Denver. Was it uh, Highland? Uh no, it's uh like North Highland. Okay. Yeah. Um but brand new build main house is uh three bed, one bath and then uh the ADU is actually over the garage. So they have an oversized garage with an ADU, all high end finishes, one bed, one bath up there. Um and I had a chance to go walk that the other day and I was really impressed.
1: And they're so, doing a, like a high-end house
2: hack in here, right? Yeah, they're gonna. I think they're gonna do uh, possibly short-term rental with ADU, um, and kind of see how that goes. But um, yeah, it's. I was just really impressed to see somebody actually got one built, and they did a really good job with the high-end finishes, and like made it a nice place. Yeah,
1: one of the I mean a couple dozen ADUs built this year in, yeah, in Denver. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, that, but that's cool. See, that's one of like you know a, a much more you know niche type investment products, the high-end house hack. But we we do quite a few of those every year. And it's really interesting because it's, you know, you you hit this point as prices go up or, you know, rents don't make any sense. You hit this like, I guess, the luxury or premium market and the house hack. And especially when you get to like the short term, medium term rentals. The income all of a sudden just like exponentially jumps up, and, and there's a very with interesting great location, location, right? Yeah, I mean, right. those
2: are so location based. They want to be close to the hot spots in town, and um, I think there's some really good opportunity there for that. So mm-hmm. I was just excited to see somebody actually going in on a high end luxury house hack. So
1: and so, I assume that must be like a jumbo loan takedown. It has to be. Yeah, it would have to be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you guys do jumbo loans too? Of course. Okay. Cool. I'm i <laughs> learning. That's, that's cool. That. Yeah, I love it. Um. All right. So high end house hack. And this is more just a general trend. I can't, uh, we won't go into specific deals, but I mean, we have a bunch of clients, a lot here in Denver that are, are in the various stages of doing basically like a fix and list, which is where we've talked about this a lot during the PAM 2.0 series, where a lot of people, you know, bought rentals four, five, six, seven, eight years ago, have ridden the amazing amazing appreciation wave, but now they've got a, you know, three to three and a half cap mm-hmm. property, Half million dollars plus in equity, um, so not a great rental now. But they're in the process of you know running the numbers and starting to like figure out the tenant exit strategy, figure out the updates, and getting in in line to list for this spring or list for next spring to kind of time the market. But we have a lot of clients like gearing up for that. Some are doing ten thirty one exchanges. Some are just taking the money off the table and investing in other assets or stocks or other markets. But that's actually a very interesting trend that's picked up a lot. And that just kind of comes down to numbers and trends. I
2: think it has a lot to do with the market situation right now, right? I mean, for the last two and a half years, you could put anything on the market and it would sell. And now, cool, you got to have a little bit of a different perspective. Like, hey, I want to sell this property. I know the market's changed. What do I need to do to get my highest and best dollar out of it? And what makes the most sense? And I think we're going to see that continue for for a while. Mm
1: -hmm. And with... uh... Moving on with the deals uh, notes here. Uh, some I'll say fun. you know three months ago we picked up or we kind of reinvigorated our our deals email list. Um, and so we got that going out there. If anyone wants to go out there and join that email list, it's in the show notes or email list. But what we do is uh, once a week we're sending out an email with two, three, four properties, some off market. Someone some of investors MLS. that are pre-listing some MLS where you just see unique deals and deals that we like. Uh, check it out. We've actually put together. There are already a couple of deals off of that. Lots of interest. So if you want to look at something, happy to get you on that list. And also something that's popped up as well. A lot of agents and investors have reached out to us to see if we can help market their properties through that channel. We're happy to, of course, because we have the distribution there. Reach out as well. But like uh, Jenny talked about this being maybe the year of some you know, bird deals coming back in fashion. I also agree with just more about actually having deal flow will come back in fashion this year. Mm -hmm. And so we're we're putting a lot of energy into that. So make sure you join our deals list and participate Uh, a couple other trends here. And this is something that, uh, Bill and Jenny and I started talking about two or three months ago and I found fascinating, but Bill you're doing was called some forward commitments, I believe. Right. With some, some builders talk about that.
3: That's kind of our, our secret sauce. So, you know, um, Cornerstone has come up with sort of a proprietary blend of um being able to work with builders. The biggest problem with these builders is they have a bunch of inventory coming out of the ground. They got stalled out because of interest rates, because they were priced wherever they were priced. And, you know, now they're four to nine hundred dollars more a month. And it's just the buying pool pool is they cooled off. It. Yep. But they're sitting there <clears throat> built with all these carry costs. Which are not cheap. Yeah, inability (laughs) to sell, right? So what we're doing is we're having these builders pay up front to buy down the rate and offering uh, the ability to market for a period of time, 90, 120 days on average, um, uh, interest rates that are significantly below market, like in the fours, to low fours. So there's some opportunities I think out there right now, and um, where we would love to be able to get those out to your guys stuff because we have stuff locally here in Denver, we have stuff up north, we have stuff down south. Um, that
1: can you send us the list for those projects so we can keep for, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, for sure.
3: And and they've been they've been so successful that um, um, all of our builders are are moving towards this. In fact, we're getting inbound calls now worth, builders we haven't even worked with that are just like, Hey, I heard you guys have this platform that allows us to do it. Um, and it's really, really unique opportunity to get something that is like a unicorn. It doesn't exist anywhere <laughs> else in the market. Yep. <laughs> you know? So, so I, pretty I, cool. I
1: definitely, I mean, like we, we started talking about that. Um, I think it's a really cool opportunity in the marketplace right now. So I got uh, two questions on the new build communities. yeah, yeah. what, How does that... Because those are owner-occupant rates, I believe. Correct, yeah. And, you know, so for... So most of our occupants are house hackers. Yeah, yeah. So it worked for them. Are there any type of those forward commitments for investors coming into new builds? Or how's that work?
3: Well, so we we haven't been able to quite figure that out yet because you're running into... We may be able to do it for a pool for um, investors. It just depends on the product. Uh, We have... And it depends on the builder. I would certainly say some of the stuff that we have in... In in Pueblo, because it's lower-end townhomes attached, um, you know, and they build them four at a time attached, that they could buy a block, and we would consider that. But a lot of it's really for owner-occupied only. The, the biggest issue that you run into is the caps, because um, every um, uh, loan type has a specific max contribution that all interested parties can make to the buyer in helping them cover costs and investors are just capped it. they're capped at two percent yep and so that's what makes it really really difficult because you know fannie and and Freddie with all of their um loan level adjustments they're pricing that cost up front in inside the loan so inside that's why those loan, investor yeah. loans are they're just you have to pay more. There's no par rate right now.
1: So in one of these uh half a dozen new builds where you have a four commitment with, mm-hmm. uh Preston takes the house hacker there. They can get, you know, rates in the fours, low mm-hmm. fives, you mm-hmm. know, type range. Yeah. Uh Janine takes an investor client there. Are they just is there any benefit or are they just getting the par interest rate for investment loans at that same complex?
3: Again, it depends on the I mean, certainly we would look at something. In pueblo versus the stuff that we like, we're doing. True marks one of our builders, and they're in Windsor. They have a beautiful, okay, property, beautiful semi-custom stuff. That's seven fifty. I've heard really
2: good things about them
3: to one and a half million on even on acreage. and Beautiful stuff. Um, that probably is not going to be ideal, <laughs> right? but like the um, there's also Hartford Homes, which is another one of our builders. They have. um, Condos, twelve hundred square foot condos that are awesome, priced at three seventy to three eighty. How
1: many bedrooms?
3: uh, Two and a half. Hmm. So it's one of them's like a office. Office. Yeah, yeah. Cool stuff, beautiful stuff. um, Where that could work, but yeah, I mean, if you're looking at it, I I would say they'll probably do a two percent contribution towards cost or something like that for an investor to help buy down that rate. Yeah.
1: Which Make is what
2: they're work.
3: maxed out at anyway. Right, it's what so. they're maxed out at. So, so
1: get, get something, but we, not we quite do, We would
3: do whatever we can. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah.
1: So kind of second part of this question, and Preston, Jenny, we've talked about a lot of this on the podcast last year, where when the market you know, was super tight and you know, buyers were just competing with each other, the vast majority of builders and new development projects just said no to investors. I believe that <laughs> tune has changed. I mean, I, I'm on some list. You guys are a lot more plugged than I am. What's the, what's the, the update on there with, uh, developers?
3: The update
2: from
1: that is bring us any offers you can so
2: open our houses. No, yeah. Yes.
3: All right. <laughs> They've changed their team.
2: <laughs> yeah. <Okay. big> time.
1: <laughs> so just the whole industry, just, Hey, cool. We're open. To everyone yeah, I out. mean,
2: I don't know specifically from builder to builder, but I just know they're marketing anything and everything they can. And and the builders I have talked to are like, Oh yeah, no, we'll take investors. Like no, not, not a problem. Bad. So yeah. are you seeing and the same, s- thing same
0: with- things? Yeah, same. And then also um, some of the developments that you know we've we've had clients buy and they're limited um, per person, and that's that's thrown out the window now too.
1: Cool. Yep. Well, that's good, especially for uh, a lot of people who are selling properties. That might be a good ten thirty one up leg option. Because, you there's know, there's a lot of inventory sitting around. Yeah, right the, the new inventory, and a lot of investors are like, hey, I want to go a little easier. And, you know, and I fall in this camp now, too, Is I'm, <laughs> yep. I'm gravitating much more towards newer stuff personally, just for ease of stuff, even so a lower return. But I like that play, too, is where, hey, if, if builders are taking that, there's some trade up options there. Absolutely. All right. So let's see. We talked self employment taxes. We got uh, some questions here. Oh, one trend I'm curious, Bill, for you, because for the last couple of years, we had a lot of house hackers, this is very nuanced, a lot of house hackers doing some like prepaying PMI for mm-hmm. mortgage insurance. Yeah. As rates have jumped up, have you seen a difference in people paying, prepaying PMI? Is it the same, less or more? You know?
3: it's, it's on a deal by deal. So I've got one right now where... um This guy is relocating from Fort Morgan. He got a job in Longmont and he wants to live close enough to commute. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's pushing his qualifying power because he works at Smuckers. Right. And Smuckers is a great job, but it's on that lower pay scale. Mm -hmm. And so he's stretching stuff a little bit. And I think it really depends on who pays it. Right. If you can get the seller to pay that on your behalf. Great. But. And and the reason I say that is because if 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 you're looking to prepay and not have the seller do it, in my opinion, then you might be throwing some mon- good money after bad because you're going to refinance anyway.
2: That that's what I did on my deal when I closed on my new primary back in October. I was kind of sitting down looking at all the options and looking at it. It was like, cool, you know, mortgage insurance is going to be 180 bucks a month or whatever, mm-hmm. or it's going to cost me twelve thousand dollars to pay it up front. I know I'm going to refinance this property or at least 99%, sure, right, unless the world changes its tune again. But to me, it didn't make any sense. There there was no net gain there for me to prepay the mortgage insurance. I'll just pay it every month for a year or year and a
1: half, refinance, and,
2: the cost and I'm money ahead, less. right? Yeah, so,
3: no, the cost is so much less. So it depends on who pays it.
1: Yeah. Well, even I was thinking, because, uh, you know, for years, I was a big fan of praying, you know. Prepaying PMI for yeah. numerous reasons. Mm-hmm. Now with hey, if race are gonna drop in, you know, six months to 18 months and you know, refinance, that's not a good use of money. No, generally nope. speaking. Now, some situations like say, if that makes the qualifying difference, absolutely get the deal done.
3: Yeah, and he's stretching to the top end, but in, in those cases, we're we're asking the seller to cover that for us as a concession, you know, and it's two percent to the seller, makes his numbers work seller gets the traffic that they weren't getting before and everybody wins.
1: So in those deals, it sounds like you're just saying, hey, t- to make all the numbers work and kind of find that sweet spot between underwriting, payment, what we can do in terms DTI, of all that. All that, all that. you're in, like, hey, this two percent, three percent, hey, we're gonna put the PMI. Hey, this will do a rate buy down. This will do two one. You're just you're taking out the scalpel and just really getting detailed. Customize
3: it, you got to right? oh, yep. I mean it's one of those things where it's like whatever Let's make a deal, whatever it takes, you know, (laughs) whatever it takes. I feel like you got some game
1: show (laughs) hosts coming out there in you, Bill. We uh, might do a new series with you here. (laughs) Um, There's more. That's right. (laughs) Cool. Well, I'm going through my checklist here, guys. I hit on the topics and questions I wanted to, but I want to end up with the roundtable. Bill, Preston, Jenny, any final thoughts, questions, debate topics you want to throw out to the panel here?
2: I mean, I just want to say, and we've talked about it a lot, there's still a lot of opportunity out there. Again, don't get freaked out by the interest rate side of things. There's plenty of options and ways to work around that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we're you know, starting to see you know, people really understand that and they've got a good team around them. And that's what it takes right now. You got to have the right people in the right place to get a deal done. And uh, I think that there's going to be a lot of stuff coming up uh, here in the spring. Yeah, strategy,
3: strategy makes the difference yep. right now. Strategy makes the difference.
1: Jenny?
0: yeah I'm kind of excited to see um the potential like deals that like the fun stuff um that you have to you know be creative on and and see what you can squeeze out of out of a property are gonna come up because, um like I mentioned, you know we're seeing seeing more and more people do burrs in Pueblo. I'm seeing some really cool wholesale deals come out. um, so it kind of gets me excited. It's like you know, back when uh, a few years ago when we were doing the creative stuff, so
1: yeah, deal yep. making for 2023. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much. Another fun podcast. Happy to kick off 2023 doing the podcast with everyone. Enjoy it. Uh, this was a solid one. All the numbers in the show notes. If you guys want to get to our deals list, email out to us. Great tip. Talk to Bill or your lender and your CPA if you're self-employed to figure out the tax lending game guys have any questions on strategy deals, reach out to us. We love uh, talking real estate and here to help you out. So thanks everyone. Happy new year. Thanks,
2: Chris. Happy new year. Thank you. Thanks everyone.